Well, good morning, everyone. I'm glad you're here this morning. My name's Eric Winter. I'm the uh, Outreach and Operations Director here at K2. And uh, as we just saw today, we're continuing our series on In God We Trust. And we're going to be looking at the topic of stewardship. And uh, this is an area that I work with actually quite a bit in my role here. And it, sometimes it's with individuals just talking and helping them uh, kind of figure out uh, where they may be going in the area of stewardship. And then really on a daily basis, working on saying, hey, are we as a church here at K2 being good stewards with the resources that God um, has entrusted us with? But this morning, I want to take a couple minutes and just share with you a little bit about the journey that I've been on personally and my family in this whole area of stewardship and tithing and how God has just worked within our lives. And, uh, you know, like I said, this has been a journey and it's really taken kind of several stages in my life. And in the beginning, uh, it really was just a desire in my heart to say, hey, I want to honor God, not just with my finances, but with my entire life. And, uh, but, you know, as desires go, you know, they're, they're good, but, but if they stay a desire, they don't necessarily move us in the direction we want to go. And that was for me. I mean, life was just kind of happening, and sometimes, probably like some of you, just had a hard time figuring out, how will all this kind of fit together? How can I actually make this a part of my life? And for me, what I have to understand is that it had to move from the state of being a desire to being really something that was a discipline within my life. And for me, that change really took place uh, back in December of 1988. Um, at that time, I was living and working out in New Jersey, uh, engaged to get married in a few months, and my wife-to-be was visiting me on her Christmas break. And we were sitting around the living room and just visiting and talking about what was happening, and I was sharing with her just kind of the challenges I was having, my car breaking down several times, and it was expensive to live out there, and I was just kind of bemoaning my situation, and she listened very intently and sweetly to me, and when I was all said and done, she just said, Eric, can I ask you a question? She goes, are you tithing? And I was like, nope, actually I'm not right now. And she said, well, it just as I listen to you, it seems to me like you're asking and desiring God to honor you and to honor the, uh, you know, the, the, the request that you're making. But in reality, right now, you're not honoring God. Whew, you know, that's, that's a lot to hear, especially I wasn't even married yet, you know, and she was still feeling that strong. I'm like, that's probably a good sign, you know. Um, but the reality is that it hit my heart deeply because I knew she was right. And so in that moment, I had to make a decision to say, this is going to change. And so I actually just got up, and I went and grabbed my checkbook, and I said I wrote out a, a check for a tithe on my last paycheck and said, today is a day where I'm going to take this from a desire and begin working on the journey of making this something that's a discipline within my life. And so for the last 30 years, that's what we, you know, our family has been uh, striving to do. Now, that doesn't mean life has just been cakewalk ever since then, right? You know, because I mean... When we serve God and we honor God, life still happens. And we've faced many things, whether it's just things like the common car repairs or home repairs, to being really called by God, we believe, to uh, adopt uh, a new daughter, um, even to fa facing some, well, or even, there you go, um, facing some real, you know, medical challenges with my wife. Um, and in those moments, we didn't know every time how it was all going to work out, but God's faithfulness and his provision was undeniable. And in those times, especially when we just didn't really know how it was all going to work out, uh, God was continuing to teach me and to train me that, you know, it really wasn't about money. It was really about my heart. Because I would find myself sitting up in the middle of the night many times, wrestling with God and struggling and feeling anxious about the situation that we were in at the moment. And, and every time God's faithfulness brought me back to the simple question of, Eric, are you trusting in your faith in your abilities and in your resources, or are they in me? Of course, you want to say, right, well, God, my faith is in you, because that's the right answer, right? But in reality, I wouldn't have been up in the middle of the night struggling with that if that was the case. And in those times, God's grace uh, just allowed me to just to recognize that, to... to uh, surrender that, uh, both the need and my uh, anxiousness in my heart, and to, uh, and to receive from him and receive his peace, and then to be able to watch how he uh, would work in some amazing ways. And so, again, God's faithfulness in these things is, is undeniable. But in reality, you know, it's not just about um, how we're handling uh, just even that 10% of that tithe like my wife challenged me on. 
But it's really, like Dave taught last week, how are we handling all of it? Because as we've gone through this whole phase of being disciplined in, in, in our uh, stewardship, uh, when, you, when you're disciplined in all of it, then it really puts you in a place where you can be um, ready to say yes to God when he calls, whether that is adopting a child, whether that is moving across country to, to start a new church, or maybe just meeting the need of your next door neighbor or a friend that you have. It doesn't matter what it is, it's, but it's, an, it's, it's the availability in the, to say yes when God says, here's something I want to do kind of above and beyond or outside what I would normally um, be asking you to do. It's in those moments for us as a family where we really experience that, hey, this doesn't have to be just a discipline, but now it actually can become a delight and a joy. Because in those moments, we not only get to see how God is working in our lives, but we're being blessed by the opportunity to see how he's using us to maybe reach out and to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. And when you see God touching somebody else's heart through, uh, through your willingness just to be obedient to him, that is, a, that is an amazing uh, thing. And so today, uh, as Dave shares the message that God's laid on his heart, my prayer would be this, is that no matter where you are, whether you're in the desire phase or maybe you're in the discipline phase or maybe you're already in that delight phase, um, that today you would have your heart open to God uh, to receive from him, to be challenged by him, and to maybe take a step of growth at whatever point you're at. And so would you just join me here in a moment as I just pray for us to get started with this day? Well, Father God, we thank you uh, for this morning. Thanks that we know your spirit and your presence is here with us today. Um, and Lord, thank you that you desire really to, to be Lord over our entire lives. Um, and thank you, God, that, uh, that you trust us uh, to be stewards of your resources. And may, Lord, may we be found to be worthy and to be trustworthy uh, of that, of that uh, gift. And God, I just pray that you would speak through Dave today, that our hearts and our ears would be open to receive from you, and that each of us would be able to walk out today um, having engaged and encountered you um, in, a, in a unique way. So we give this day to you, Lord, and give you thanks for being here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, good morning, everybody. Good morning. If you're visiting... Uh, my name is Dave Nelson, and I'm not Elmer Fudd, uh, but so glad you are here. And anybody else excited about this finally sunny Sunday? Man, I feel like every week I'd look, and uh, Sunday would be the snowy, rainy day. Not today, man. It is awesome out there. Well, I, I've had a great weekend. This weekend was my birthday, so uh, this week, and uh, thank you very much. Uh, I'm still 29. I don't know how I did it, but... I can't get, seem to get past 29, which is fantastic. Um, but it's funny, uh, I'm from Michigan, and I think this is true for many people, but I, I always tell everybody, when I was born, as soon as I came out of the womb, my mom and dad handed me a deck of cards. So that's just, that's just our family was a game-playing family, a card-playing family. And in Michigan, the game is euchre. I, 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 there's got to be somebody. In Michigan, the game is euchre. So... Um, my wife loves me so much, man. She, she really just gave me a fantastic weekend, threw me a euchre party on Friday night, uh, filled up our home with a bunch of people, and, and we just played cards all night, which was super, super fun. And then she said, and then carve out Saturday. Don't do anything. So I'm all right. We kind of do this. I plan her birthday. She plans my birthday. So, uh, so our kids, my, my youngest son was here at Spring Fling, so he was here all night uh, until literally 7 in the morning. <laughs> and my other kids were up super late, so we just, they were sleeping in and sleeping in. Finally, it's like 9.45. I don't know what's going on. And uh, I'm standing in the kitchen with her and the door, she goes, was that the door? And I go, I don't know. And I walk out and I look at the door and there's no one there. I walk back into the kitchen and my friend Mitch is standing there. I'm like, Mitch, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm just here to uh, wish you happy birthday. He goes, I got back early. And uh, I'm like, all right. So uh, you want a cup of coffee? So we get a cup of coffee. We sit down. And then sure enough, all of a sudden at 9.45, this whole army of people walk into our house. She totally surprises me. And we have this huge breakfast buffet. Can we just say amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Like anybody else love breakfast late in the morning? It's just better later, man. And it was great. And then they just stayed and we just played games all the time. It's, I, here's what's true. My wife knows me. 
And because she loves me and she knows me, she knows how to bless me. And it was a great weekend. Here's the truth. God knows you. In fact, he, he knows you so much better than you know yourself. And he loves you so deeply. And so you put those two things together. And, I, and this is just, as we go through this topic today, you just have to know this. All he wants to do is bless you. He wants to bless you. But here's the thing about God. He actually wants to bless everyone. There's no favoritism here. There's not a person on the planet that God doesn't know and love. And so he wants to bless them. And so we titled this whole series, as we're talking about money, In God We Trust. Now, let me just tell you something. Here's, here's, here's the truth. Anytime you actually trust God on anything that he reveals to you, as soon as you trust him, that means you'll actually act on what he says. Three things happen. When you trust him, you see God stuff happen. Because God wants to do things. And so he's moving in us. And then we trust him and we step out and we do what he says. And all of a sudden, God stuff happens. <laughs> and so people actually get to see God through our faithfulness. It's crazy. But here's the other thing. Because he loves everybody, every time you trust him and you step out and do what he wants you to do, people around you get blessed. <laughs> So God ends up getting glorified. You end up, or everybody around you gets blessed. But here's the other thing. And you will become alive. You will be absolutely free in your spirit. It is a win, win, win. So I talked about, I touched this on last week. So when we talk about money, and lots of times you bring up money in church, and it's a super sensitive topic. But you know why it's a sensitive topic? Because it is a big deal. Again, Money is destroying marriages, one of the top destroyers of marriages. But money can be one of the biggest things that unifies your marriage. Money is stressing some of you out, man. You are super anxious. You live in fear every day, and it's all about money and possessions. And yet at the same time, money handled rightly can bring freedom and joy and blessing. And sometimes we use it to, to establish our status. We think our identity, our values based on how much we have and what we do. And so then that leads to pride. And some people are super proud because of that. Other people feel ashamed. And at the same time, money can be used for that or it can be used to relieve the pain and the suffering and the injustice of the world. Money is super, super important. So as I jump into this topic today, here I want to challenge you with something. So every time I, every time I, read, I, I read God's word, and uh, this is a daily thing for me, I love it, because he says you live on every word that comes from my mouth. So I love being with him. I'm telling you, still, after 30 years of doing this, every morning I have to stop and I have to get my heart right, though, because I'm human just like you. And most of us, when we're human, when we are going to engage with God, we, kinda, we actually want to decide what's right and wrong. Like We're going to open the Bible and go, okay, what, what, what do I think about this? Right? We, we do, what do I think about this? Do I, do I agree with that? Do I not agree with that? Uh, I'm not sure. You know. and, and we do that. So every morning I have to stop and go, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And I have to position. And so I'm going to ask you, will you position yourself? Not with a like, I'm going to see if I agree with God or not. But instead go, hey, God, I'm going to humble myself. And I'm actually going to open myself to your revelation to me. I'm not even going to decide if this is right or not because it's you. You're God. You know way more than me. <laughs> so I'm going to actually humble myself and I'm going to receive and be open to what you have to say to me. And I'm telling you, if you will, if you will just go, okay, God, what are you saying is the reality about this money? And then if you'll trust him, as we're saying, in God we trust. If you'll trust him and step out onto it, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guarantee it because it's what he says. He will get glorified. People around you will be blessed and you will be free and you'll live. All right? So last week we talked about ownership. All right? And so let me just, three quick points. And right from the scriptures, you can listen to it. I'm not going to get into it. Everything you have, and this is, but it's super important for today, everything you have belongs to God. And this is what we don't actually think, we don't believe it, because whoever actually owns the money is in control of the money. And most of us think, well, this is my money. 
But the Bible was so clear, the scripture last week, everything in heaven and earth is his. So he owns everything you have. He actually owns it. Secondly, everything you have has come from him. So that's why I, I, we just need to stop and go, seriously? And we go, no, I worked hard for that, remember? But he's like, yeah, but remember, God actually gave you the ability. <laughs> you actually have physical ability and intellectual capacity because God has given that to you. So literally everything belongs to him and everything you have has come from him. And that's why we should just stop and go, thank you, God. <laughs> like literally, you should wake up every morning and go, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thanks for creating me. Thanks for giving me these abilities. Thank you for everything that you've given to me. So everything we have belongs to him. It comes from him. And then he says, and everything you have actually tests your heart. So God literally uses money to just examine. Again, just to, in an examination, a test simply says, let me just show you the reality of your heart. So God uses money to show us the reality of our heart. Okay? So that's what we talked about last week. So here's where we're going today. If God owns everything, okay? And here's the first point. Then you are a steward of God's money. That's what you are. So you are a steward of God's money. Now, if you, uh, that, that word steward can also be manager, okay? Uh, in the, if you read the NIV version of the Bible, it will use the word manager, okay? So let me just, I'm just gonna tell you, this is a truth from God that if you came and by the scripture actually teaches us things, the one thing that God is telling every one of us, if you have anything, then you are a steward of God's money. Matthew 25, 14, Jesus came. Again, he said, I came to testify to what's true, to reveal the truth. He says, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. The kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, is where he entrusts his wealth to us. So you are handling his money. Here's the definition of a steward. It's a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. That's what God is saying you do. <laughs> You're managing his financial, his property and financial affairs. Now, last week I shared, and this is an in, another interesting definition, embezzle, right? So what is embezzle? Embezzle is to appropriate fraudulently to one's own use money or property entrusted to one's care. <laughs> so there it is. So a steward is, you've been entrusted, somebody else has entrusted you with their property or their finances. An embezzlement is when somebody has entrusted you with property or money, but you're fraudulent, that's a tough word, fraudulently <laughs> using it for your own use. So it's interesting, I, I, every morning I, I, I love to check out the news. And by the way, um, I like to look at Fox News and CNN. Did you know there's two alternate realities happening in the world? <laughs> like, I don't even know which world I live in, man. Because <laughs> you read those two websites and they are so completely different. But one of the, the, the headline stories was this today, this morning. A credit union set up to serve employees at CBS, Okay. So again, the whole purpose for this is to serve others. It was shuttered last week when its manager, when its steward, was accused of embezzling $40 million. Now, I love that because that's what happened to first service. As soon as I said someone embezzled $40 million last service and this service, why? Because you know. It's wrong to take somebody else's money and use it for your own use. In fact, it's so wrong in our understanding of justice that it went on. The suspect, identified as Edward Martin Rostehard, number age 62, was arrested at his Studio City home. So I'm like, how interesting. So I just put embezzle in Google and hit it and hit the little click that says news, you know, and it'll show all the news stories on embezzlement. All, every story of embezzlement, people are in prison for that. Why? Because it's stealing. So here's the issue this morning that we need to look at. Is God is actually revealing to you. So now you know this. You're like, dang it, why did I come to church today? Here's what you now know. Everything you have is actually his. 
and you are stewarding, you are managing his resource. That's what you're doing. Now, when he says that I actually, in, that, in Matthew 25, when he says, I've actually given you my wealth, in, later on in verse 19, he says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and he settled accounts with them. Do you guys hear this? The kingdom of heaven is like this. God decides to give us all of his, his wealth and ask us to manage it. And then at the end of our time, he says, I'm actually going to settle accounts with you. Now, this can be really great news, <laughs> or this can be kind of a bummer of news, <laughs> all right? Now, it can be great news because every person that he gave resource to, so he says, I gave one guy five bags of gold, and that guy took the money and faithfully stewarded it. He managed it well. And what did God do? I'm going to give you five more. <laughs> See, now this is where we just need to stop and go, oh, God, he's so, no, God is awesome, <laughs> God is like, everything you have, I've given you in the first place. I love you so much. I love you. I want to bless you. And if you faithfully steward what I give you, I'm going to give you twice as much. So when you settle accounts with God, this could be a great day. But there was this other guy who got one bag of gold, and he's like, eh, I'm not going to use it. And he took it and hid it, and he did nothing with it that God had. He didn't steward it or manage it well. And here's what it says. Jesus says, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10. So there's, there's, there is, God is going to settle accounts with you. So, so let me just say this again, super clear, so we can all make sure when you actually hang out with him one day, you're going to be like, oh, I think I heard Nelson say something about that. Here's what he says. Everything you have is mine. And everything you have has come from me. I love you so much. Now, steward it, manage it well, be faithful with it. And someday you'll settle those accounts with him. And, now, and so when I think about that, yes, that can be a daunting thing. It's like, ah, I don't know if I want to steward this. Well, too late. Because <laughs> if you're alive and have anything, you are. You are a steward and a manager of God's stuff. So what I want to share with you today is then how do we do this? How do we handle God's money? And it's actually pretty simple, okay? This is pretty simple. Simply handle his money with love. That's it. Handle God's money with love. Now I'm gonna show you three different ways we do that. Here's the first one. Is you handle God's money with love for God. Just handles money and go, God, man, I love you, right? So Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38 says this. Jesus replied, guy asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In other words, basically what he's saying there is love God with every piece of who you are. And then he says this, this is the first and greatest commandment. It's the first and greatest commandment. And so, and I, and I know this, if I ask you guys right now, and I, and I won't do this, but I've done this best, do you, do you love him? If I ask you, do you love God? Everybody, right? Most of us are here. And we fought, we, oh, I love God. <laughs> Great. Then if you love him, love him first. In fact, he actually said what, when he gave the commandments, the first commandment is what? You shall have no other gods before me. What's he saying? We have lots of gods. <laughs> We have lots of things that we worship, lots of things that are super important to me. There should be nothing on this planet that becomes before me. I'm what? First. God's first. It's the first and greatest commandment. Love him with all of your being. Now, I've had people say, man, he is an egotistical God. <laughs> like, how come he wants everything to be about him? Do you guys know why he, he actually commands us to put him above everything else? Because everything else will let you down. If you worship money or resources or possessions or positions or jobs, you can lose jobs. 
You can lose your ability. You can lose your finances. And then it's anxiety and then it's fear. If you look to those things to satisfy your soul, they don't do it. And so there's anxiety and fear. And then our relationships become a mess. So when God is saying, love me above everything else, he's saying, because I'm the only one who loves you perfectly. And I want to bless you in ways that are real and true. All right? So then, so God wants to be first. It's the first commandment. Nothing else before me, I'm first. So then we go to the Old Testament, right? And he, he kind of establishes this right off the beginning. Exodus chapter 13, 2. Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. So right off the bat, guys, he's trying to establish early on. Instead of us having animals or our own children even, and, and anything that comes, we just went, oh, that's mine. See, that's our, it's mine. And God goes, the first one is mine. First one, give it to me. Secondly, Exodus 23, 19, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. So again, anything you produce, every time you produce anything, the best of the first goes to God. So he's establishing something because our hearts are bent towards making it about us first. So God's establishing from the very beginning, if you do this, it's going to ruin you and it's going to ruin your relationships. I want to set you free from that and I want you to make you everything like me full of love and grace and blessing and giving. All right? So then in Genesis chapter 4, at the very beginning, this is the fourth chapter, very beginning of the Bible. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. <laughs> okay? Now, what did God say to do with your crops? <laughs> give him the best, give him the first. But instead, Cain's like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll just, I've got some leftovers. <laughs> There's a little bit over here. You know, after I've taken care of everything and filled up my barns, there's some leftovers. So I'll just give God some of it. So he did give God something. Some of it. And then Abel also brought a gift. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Why? Because God is first. And you shall have no other gods before me. And I don't know what Cain was doing, but he was like, you know what? I'm not giving God the first. I'm going to give him whatever I feel like giving when I feel like giving it. And Abel's like, nope, I'm giving him the best of my first. And that is what God blesses. So you guys, the very act of giving God the first thing that comes in what that does is it keeps the relationship as it's supposed to be. And this is, I'm telling you, and some of us go, man, he's so demanding. No, he's so loving. He's so loving because he knows we were created for him. So he's just trying to keep our hearts as they were meant to be. And when we love him first, it also sets us free, and I'll get to that. So what are we saying? No other gods before me. You don't take the first and give it to anything or anyone else. You say, I love you, God, more than anything. You, think about this, you, God, who created me, who saved me, who forgave me, who gives me everything that I have, I'm going to give to you. So let me ask you a question. So when you get your paycheck, well, let, me, let me throw away the question. Let me just tell you. When you get your paycheck, there's really two things that you should do. The first thing you should do is just go, thank you, God. Just stop and go, thank you. Thanks for giving me. Thanks for giving me the ability to work and to produce this wealth. Thank you, God. And then the second thing you do is, and this is my question, and then who gets your first? When you get your paycheck, what's the one thing that you will not miss out on that gets it every time? Is it God? Now, here's what we know, just statistically. Very few people who even say they love God and who follow Christ 
and have been saved by him and redeemed and given a new heart. Very few people actually give to him first. So, but the scripture says, love him first more than anything else. And here's the craziest thing, you guys. So then we go, okay, so if I'm gonna love him first, then how do I know? How do, how do I know what I should give? So Leviticus 27, 30 says this. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, again, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, I, I just know. So as soon as we hear this word tithe, man, now it's like, ugh. There's something inside. I mean, and I know some of you have been, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to simply say, I'm going to say it. I think some of you have been spiritually abused by the issue of the tithe. And it is not, and God is up there just going, this is so frustrating to me because <laughs> this is not some religious demanding thing. This is the biggest blessing. And all it is is 10%. And so people will go, well, is this the law or is this grace? <laughs> Are we in the Old Testament on law or is this just, aren't we under grace? And, and so, but here's what's interesting. Cain and Abel lived 2,000 years before the law was ever given. And what was the principle 2,000 years before the law? Give God first. <laughs> Give to God first. Abraham tithed, and Abraham lived 500 years before the law was given. So if he was, if he was giving God 10%, 500 years before the law was ever given, then there is a spiritual principle that's in here that God just revealed with the law. And the spiritual principle is everything is mine and I'm giving you it all to be my steward. And all I'm asking for, all I'm asking for is I want you to return to me what's mine. The tithe belongs to me. And the tithe simply means 10%. The first 10% actually belongs to God. And I believe with all my heart that he's doing that because he loves us. And he's trying to make sure our hearts don't stay like this. Because if our hearts stay all about us, if we're first, then everything else falls and ends up being destructive. So he loves us and he's doing this. And then Jesus even. So then you want, yeah, okay, let's talk about Jesus. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth. So he says, you actually tithe. Your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the, form, the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now, I, I agree with Jesus. But because he's Jesus, I guess he knows what he's talking about. But he says justice, mercy, and faithfulness are more important. But listen to what he says. You should have practiced the latter. You should have practiced justice, mercy, and faithfulness without neglecting the former. So even Jesus was saying, don't neglect the 10% principle. It's just part of how God works with his people. So here, but then I got to say, if you're, when I, when I talk with people and we're like, well, how come that was the law and, and now aren't we under grace? And here's my question for you. Why are we trying to fight if we love God first with all of our being, why are we trying to figure out how we can not give back to God? If we realize he's our creator and our savior and our redeemer and we worship him and we love him and, that, and yet then we're going, but how can I keep my money for me? See, that just doesn't compute because I'm telling you, here's what's true. You resource what you love. You do. And so if you're one of those people who's trying to figure out how can I keep my money for myself, I think the first question you have to ask is do you love him? Because you actually are resourcing what you love. And I think that's why the scripture says God uses money to actually test our hearts because it reveals what we actually love. So I'm just gonna be as bold as I can, and I'm gonna show you later in the message, but I'm gonna be as bold as I can. You guys, again, if you're not following Jesus, I can just say the principle of giving we're gonna see here in a minute is just good for your soul. Secular studies that just study people who are generous, it just shows that they're more healthy, 
they're more at peace. They have, they have lower blood pressure. It's just people who are, it's just good. When you follow God's ways, it's just good. But if you're a follower of Christ, you are a steward of his money. Or are you embezzling his money? Because he's entrusted it to you. And are you using it for yourself? Or are you bringing back to him what's his? How do you handle his money? You handle it with love. And you handle it with love for him. It's the first commandment. Nothing else is more important to me than him. So when you get it, you give it. And I just want to encourage you guys to do that. And if, if you haven't done that, I tell you one of the best things to do, one of the best things for Susie and I, is we just went right to our Wells Fargo bank, right? Because when I get my check, it goes right into my bank account immediately. And so the first thing we did when we set up our account is then we said, and the first 10% from that paycheck goes, bam, immediately right to K2. See, because when you give first to God, it just, and I'm going to show this to you in a second too, then it just goes, it always has gone to the church. In the Old Testament, which the temple, and then just goes to the church. You just give immediately and you give to God. And so I just want to encourage you, 70% of our people, now that's just how we give. That's just how you do it. Because it's super easy, it's simple, and it just gets your faithfulness in there. All right? So there's the first thing. You are a steward of God's money. You are. And he's just saying, now trust me with the first 10%. All right? But here's the second thing. Is then you handle God's money with love for others. Handle God's money with love for others. Right? The first commandment is love God. But the second one, Jesus said in Matthew 22, 39, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So there's the justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So in 2 Corinthians 8, and I, man, I tell you, so write this down. If you're taking notes, write down 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 and read those two chapters. They are, there is so much, oh, so much good stuff in there. <clears throat> but here's what's going on. The church in Jerusalem, where the church started, Jesus, right? He died and rose again, and then the church started in Jerusalem. But they, there was a huge famine, and they were under serious persecution, so the church was in need. The Christians, brothers and sisters in Jerusalem were really, really struggling. So what Paul was doing is he was going around to all the other churches and saying, hey, we have serious need. Our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem have need. And so he was taking an offering. So he goes to this one church and he's like, this church is crazy. And in verse, in verse 2 of chapter 8, he goes, In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. <laughs> so Paul's going, basically, here's this church in Jerusalem that's super struggling. And then he goes to another church that's also under severe trial, and they have extreme poverty. And yet these Christians, these followers of Jesus, were begging him. In another verse it says, they were begging us to be able to take part in this. And they welled up in, 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 uh, in rich generosity. And then, but look what he says in verse 5. They exceeded our expectations. Now look at this. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, also to us. See, this is super important. What did these Christians know? They understood that you love God first. And so even in this opportunity to give and to bless those who were in need, the first thing they did is they gave to the Lord. They gave the first 10% to God. And then after that, they saw the needs. So I'm just going to, this is super important, okay? Because I think a lot of us, we go, okay, so I'm going to give. I'll, I'll, I understand. I, I, I receive and I'm going to give. So where are the needs? Right? So we see the needs in Eswatini, and we see the needs of the poor, and we see the needs of the homeless, or tragedy opens, and we go, well, that's how I tithe, is I see a need, and then I meet it. But that's not how this works. <laughs> see, you give first to the Lord, because he's actually interested, most of all, that you're in a relationship with him. And then once you give first to him, then by the will of God... And, and, and then by the will of God simply means, will means his pleasure, his desire. So you're sitting there and you go, okay, I gave my time back to God like I'm supposed to. And now I have this other 90% that I'm stewarding for him. And sometimes by the will of God, he will impress on your heart and say, I have needs over here. So here's God who owns everything. Here's needs that people have. 
And in the middle, he's looking for who stewards my money well. And then he prompts you and he moves you. And then you are actually generous. So you guys need to understand, giving faithfully to God first is just pure, that's it, it's just faithfulness. Then above that is the generous and willing to share, okay? So again, can I just share with you, I just got back again from Africa and I'm gonna tell you, man, this is, what, this is a beautiful picture of what's going on. My, the most poignant memory for me a couple years ago is I was standing there with Pastor Saul. He's the Saul of the, of the land there. And he put his arm around me and he said, Dave, look over at that mountainside. And I don't know how far away it was, uh, but I could see the little white specks on the mountain. And he says, I was just there last week and I met with the community and I met with the women there and they finally voted together and decided that only the children under the age of eight were gonna be fed. And I'm standing there, I'm going, like right in my eyesight, <laughs> any kid that's over eight is not gonna eat. That's just unacceptable. <laughs> but then at the same time, while we're standing there with our arms around each other, I'm at our care point at Kitzeni. <laughs> and then I realized that would be our kids. But instead, what happened is when we presented you the opportunity to financially care for those who are in need in Ekidzeni, 200 of you again swallowed up those kids and you decided to faithfully give monthly support to them. So here I am sitting there and I go, that would be our kids, but there they are every day being fed. They have a meal every day. And again, I shared with you last week, 40% unemployment at the, in, in Eswatini. Every home we visited, praying for employment because they don't have any resource coming in. But here's God saying, I see a community who's in need, who will be generous and faithful stewards, who will love others with their money. And then he moved in you, you gave to them, and now these people are taken care of. Isn't that cool? Yeah. See, that's how it works. So God loves the world. He's just looking for people who will actually love, handle his money with love for others. Now, and here's the last point. And this is the one that just, it just cracks me up. If you and I handle our money with love for God and keep him first and our relationship healthy, and if we handle God's money with love for others, you know what ends up happening? Well, let me, you handle God's money with love for yourself. If, you, if, 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 if it doesn't motivate you to love God, if it doesn't motivate you to love others, here's the craziest thing. Then love yourself. And what God is saying is, if you actually handle my money faithfully, you will actually be loving yourself. Why? Now, and, I, and I know, when I was sitting there putting, I'm like, that just doesn't sound right. Because aren't I supposed to be about loving God and love others? But here's how God works. Every time we trust him, he's glorified. Everybody else is blessed and you're free. See, when God's will is done, it's good for everybody. It's always win, win, win. So here's the problem. If you're using your money for yourself, it destroys you. But if you use God's money faithfully, it actually is the best thing for you. So look at this verse, 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. It says, command them to do good. So man, I'm trying, okay? Here, I'm just trying to do what the Bible says. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And then look at this. If you guys will take those first two principles and do them, in this way, you will lay up treasure for yourself. So anybody interested in wanting treasure? Yeah. Thanks for being honest. So he says, in this way, they lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So Jesus goes on, right, in Matthew 6, he says the same thing. Do not store up treasure, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy but store up for yourself treasure in heaven. See, God is telling you, if you do want treasure stored up, then give, be faithful, 
Take what I've given you and give it away, and you will be storing up treasure for yourself for the coming age. So when I think about that, you guys, I just had to buy a used car. Okay, that's a fun process. Um, And when you're buying a used car and you're looking for something that's at least like 10 years older, 10 years ago when cars were being made, okay, now I could invest my money in something that's really comfortable for a little while, but what am I doing? I'm looking at a Honda or a Toyota. Because back then, those were the cars that actually... Now, American companies have... I'm from Detroit, so this is very sensitive to buy. I, I, seriously, you drive a Honda and to, Toyota in Detroit, they, they key your car, you know? <laughs> but, but, I, but back then, you invested in Hondas and Toyotas. Why? Because those were the cars that were going to last. And here's what God is saying. Are you taking all of my resource and storing up for yourselves treasures on earth. And here's what we know. When you die, you ain't taking none of it with you. And you're going to spend eternity. And I've said this here so many times. The last thing you're going to want to do is get to eternity with Jesus and know that you spent everything he gave on stuff that mattered. Squat. But when you return to him, his money. And when by his will you respond and love those who are in need, then here's what's going to happen. God takes every faithful dollar you give to him and he uses it. He uses it. So what's going to happen is you're going to get to heaven someday. And God's going to go, hey, can I just show you now what happened when these people were in super need and you were generous and willing to share? I actually met their need through you and their faith. They, re- they rejoiced. They became grateful. They were so thankful. It encouraged their faith in me. And because of that, they actually started following me and trusting me. And then the ripple effects. And you're sitting here going, man, I just gave 25 bucks because I felt like God wanted me to. And he's going, I know, and I asked you to do that, and I freaking changed the world. And, 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 and this is what we don't know. And we're like, no, I'm gonna, I want more stuff. I need more comfort. I need more stuff. And you're going to get to heaven, and he's going to go, man, I could have done so much more. So much more could have happened. Your money is actually eternally significant. And so he's saying, you are laying up a treasure for yourself for eternity. And you guys know your life here is like this. Bam. It's like when you go on a trip. Man, I love, I love vacationing. I love going away. But I'm not going to invest all my money in that because I'm coming home. And when I get home, this is where I'm going to live. You're going to go home. And he's saying, invest in your eternal home. And then the last thing is this. He says, but not only that, but you will take hold of the life that is truly life. You will take hold of the life that is truly life. You guys, Jesus told us eternal life. It's not, it's not heaven. It, it is, but it's not only heaven. He said eternal life is knowing the one true God and Jesus whom he said. Knowing him. Knowing him like Susie knows me. Now, I'm telling you guys, you guys know this, a great marriage <laughs> We have a good marriage. You know why? Because Susie gives and she gives and she blesses me. And I like it. <laughs> and, and, and if I, but, but if, if she just gave and gave and I just bring it on, honey, give me another one. You know, I just, like if that's what it was, it wouldn't be any good. There'd be no life. I have to then, because she gives, then I give. And then she goes, oh my God, I can trust you and I can trust you. And then he gives and then he gives. And here's you guys what God is saying. If you trust him, he'll trust you. And then you finally find out God is actually good. He loves you. He wants to bless you. And But here's the key, you guys, and this is so important. You don't ever give to get. You get because you give. Because as soon as you go, oh, man, I want stuff, I'll start tithing. God's like, all right. The blessing won't come if it ends with you. It's when we give what we receive, we're like God and we give. 
So we trust him, and then he trusts us. And, and I'm just going to read one verse. I have so many, but I'm only going to read one. Luke 6, 38 says this. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I'm not telling you. It has no, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't think it's not. Like, this is not prosperity gospel. Because <laughs> it's not about me trying to get rich. In fact, God says he will bless us in every way. He says, I'll bless you. I'll give you. I'll, if, you if I can trust you with material wealth, he goes, then I'll trust you with true riches. And some of you are going, how do I experience a full life with God? He's going, let me trust you with the small things. Can I trust you just with finances? Because if I can trust you with, spirit, with financial wealth, he goes, I will trust you with real riches. So there you go, man. God loves you. He knows you and he loves you and he wants to bless you and he wants to bless the whole world through you. This is how it works. God gets glorified, everybody gets blessed and you become free. So band, come on up. And we're gonna close with some worship here. And as they come up, let me just remind you, you are a steward of God's money. How are you handling his money? Are you handling it with love for him and for others? And here's the craziest thing. Or are you actually using it for yourself? And here's what's crazy. If you're using it for yourself, you're actually not loving yourself. So as we worship, and, and, and here's the truth. There is no I don't know why, but there's no tougher thing on this planet than trusting God for some reason with our, with our money. <laughs> I think that's why Jesus said, because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And, and again, it, we just know that now. And so that's why there is more uh, instruction in all the Bible on money than anything else. That's why half of Jesus' parables, when he was trying to teach us in the scripture, are about finances and possessions. Because this is hard. Okay? This is hard. He knows that. That's why he had to talk about it so much. But will you take openly? Would you open up to him and say, okay, God, I'm going to take what you say. And I'm going to trust you. In God, I trust. I'm going to start returning to you the first 10%. I'm actually going to love you first. I'm going to have no other gods before me. And I'm going to hold the rest like this. And whenever you want to bless somebody through me, I'm going to believe you gave it to me and, and I'll, I'll follow you. Some of you, if you're feeling any prompting, trust him and follow him and see if God isn't faithful to bless you. See if your heart doesn't come alive and if you don't become free and he doesn't start to give to you because he knows I can trust this one. They're a steward. They handle my money with love. And yes, are you going to fight your flesh? Yes. Are you going to wrestle? Is this hard? Yes. But you and your soul are deeper than your own emotions and your own desires. And you can say, you know, God, I'm going to trust you. All right? So let's stand together and let's worship him. Let's put him above. Let's put him above everything else. No other guys before him. Let's worship him and love him in this moment with all our heart and soul and mind.